1: You can sign up on my website, zibbyowens.com, under the virtual book club section, or even on Instagram under the link in my bio. I hope you'll find me in all these different channels and enjoy this podcast. Hi, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but I have an anthology coming out called Moms Don't Have Time 2, a quarantine anthology, and it comes out on February 16th and has essays by 60 plus of the authors who have been on this podcast. So first of all, please pre-order this book. I think you will love it. I'm so excited about all the authors who are represented. Um, Just to give you a few, um, Chris Bajalian, uh, Jewel Parker Rhodes, Ashley Prentice Norton, Gretchen Rubin, Rima Zaman, Eileen Zimmerman. And that is just from the first page of the multi-page table of contents. So please pick up this book, Moms Don't Have Time To, a quarantine anthology. It's available... Anywhere you buy books, amazonbookshop.org and your local independent bookstore. So please pick up a copy. And also, I want to invite you listeners to my um, fundraiser slash launch party the night it comes out on February 16th, a Tuesday at 7 p.m., Bookhampton and the Children's Museum of the East End are co hosting it for me. And 50 of the authors who wrote essays in this book, as well as many of the amazing authors who blurbed this book, um, who wrote little praiseworthy quotes at the, at the front, will be there. And you can be there too. health system. And it is named after my husband's mother who passed away from COVID over the summer, which many of you followed along on Instagram as I uh, recounted that horrific experience. So all the proceeds are going there. The cost includes the price of a book. So thank you for supporting this effort and for supporting my book. I can't wait to see you there. Today's episode has been sponsored by This Is Everything with Allie Levine, a podcast hosted by Hollywood mom, celebrity stylist, influencer, and Bravo reality star, Allie Levine. On her podcast, you'll get a mix of, well, everything, from motherhood to fashion, lifestyle, spiritual being, all totally real and raw. You have to listen. Allie interviews celebrities, experts, entrepreneurs, and so much more. Tune in weekly to be uplifted, empowered, inspired, and truly entertained. Hi everybody. Yesterday started our February book blast. Sometimes I end up with just so many amazing episodes that I have to release a whole bunch at once. So today is day two of the February book blast. And today is nonfiction Tuesday. If you missed it, yesterday was memoir Monday, and then we have literary fiction coming on Wednesday, new novels, Thursday and family themed memoirs on Friday. So stick with us for the whole week. Dr. Harold S. Koplowitz, M.D., is the author of The Scaffold Effect, Raising Resilient, Self-Reliant, and Secure Kids in the Age of Anxiety. Dr. Koplowitz is one of the nation's leading child and adolescent psychiatrists, the founding president and medical director of the Child Mind Institute in New York City and San Mateo, California. He has repeatedly been named in America's Top Doctors, Best Doctors in America, and New York Magazine's Best Doctors in New York. He has appeared on Today, CBS News, CNN, The Oprah Winfrey Show, and Anderson Cooper 360, and is quoted regularly in the New York Times, USA Today, and the Wall Street Journal. He lives with his wife in New York City. You can learn more at childmind.org. Welcome, Dr. kofalitz Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books.
0: Oh, I'm, it's a pleasure to be. Always a pleasure to be here.
1: Oh, this is such a treat because you and I work so closely with the Child Mind Institute, which you founded in 2009 and which you run amazingly, which helps every in the world with childhood mental illness. Do you mind talking just for two seconds about Child Mind Institute before we talk about your amazing book, The Scaffold Effect?
0: Sure. So, you know, in 2009, we decided, a group of us, that we needed an independent nonprofit that was exclusively dedicated to children's mental health disorders. And if you think about it, this country has done this before with other disorders. St. Jude's Children's Hospital for over 50 years has focused with laser precision on childhood cancer. And while that's a very important thing, there's only 15,000 kids in the United States who have cancer, and there's 17 million who have a mental health disorder, which means that everyone listening knows and loves one of these kids. It's one out of five. So if if it's not your child, then it's your niece and nephew, or it's your best friend's child. So we thought that we needed that independent nonprofit that would play with everyone and collaborate with everyone, but only be focused no matter what, on the mental health needs of kids, first and foremost in the United States, and now, frankly, globally. And when COVID hit, we had to close the doors to the Child Mind Institute's physical sites in California, New York. And in 48 hours, we became a telemental health product. And we've now seen over 300 kids every day on screens and a few kids in person in both sites. But more importantly, I think. We recognized that parents were desperate for information during COVID on how to deal with distance learning, how to deal with kids, you know, anxiety on their demoralization because they're losing so many things, big and small. And so we produced over 160 Facebook lives on parenting during COVID. And every day we had one for a while in Spanish and in English. Now it's once a week. But we started to realize that parents want authoritative, scientifically sound information And because of that, we don't take money from the pharmaceutical industry, from liquor, from tobacco and guns. So parents can trust ChildMind.org. And it's turned out to be very rewarding because the need is there and parents more so than ever are reaching for information that can make them better parents and make their kids have an easier time.
1: Well, it's so great because you have this amazing website, childmind.org, which has been such a resource for me over, you can Google anything you can find. It's always a child mind that has like the right answers. And then of course you do all of this work to combat the stigma of childhood mental illness, which is so important and the research to find a biomarker.
0: So it was really interesting with stigma for years, we've run a campaign called #MyYoungerSelf. my younger self. So you get important, influential Individuals who will discuss in a minute or two their struggle as a kid with either ADHD, anxiety, depression, dyslexia. But this year we went with hashtag we thrive inside and we got 40 remarkable movie stars, politicians, poets who were talking about how were they managing their mental health while they had to stay inside and what was going inside their head. And believe it or not, I mean, we got 250 million eyeballs, not only you know, four or five billion media impressions, but 250 million people came to watch one of those videos. So I think that, you know, COVID has been a horrific experience for so many kids and so many parents and so many families, but it also forced us to be innovative and recognize that there had to be a new way to get information out there to parents and and to give kids hope that this too will pass.
1: Amazing. It's amazing. I'm so honored to be a board member and I know I'm never... I'm not doing my part enough, <laughs> but it's not for lack of loyalty. So Zibi,
0: as we are about to talk about the scaffold effect, I, one of the most important things we talk about child care is self-care. You amaze me because the word juggling and being a master juggler, because I know you have four kids. I know you're married. I know you're a dedicated daughter and granddaughter and sister. But on top of that, you're an entrepreneur and you're a philanthropist. You really, you really not only talk the talk, you're walking the walk. So the fact that you're doing this, I think is perfect because you're one of the moms who does find time to read so that the other moms and dads, by the way, who can't read can get some wisdom from you. So, you know, I'm a big, I've always been a big fan. So So that's why it's an honor for me, A, to have you on the board of the Childhood Institute, but to spend time with
1: you. Oh, that's just so nice. Yes. I have to say, and you will be proud of me, that when I read the whole section on self-care yesterday morning, I was like, okay. I am not doing any of these things. Like I was imagining myself talking to you and you were saying, here I have to find the right section. You would you would be saying to me, Well, are you doing this? Are you eating greens? Are you exercising? Are you sleeping? Are you eating well? And I was thinking, I am not doing any of those things. So <laughs> <laughs> I finally got myself on the Peloton yesterday because you okay. of your column. Of course, now, I- oh, here, self care checklist. Yeah. Exercise, sleep. This is for parents, by the way. Okay. Exercise, sleep, green food, affection, nature walks, play dates with friends. I'm never too old for a play date. Alone time, creative time, romantic time, laughter, music, hobbies, volunteering meditation i don't know any mom out there who is finding time for all these things if you are finding time for every single thing on this list
0: well I, it's a, you know think of it as a chinese menu do you know what I mean you can have you can just have a few do you mean or you know a la carte you can pick from the top or the bottom but if you you know i always i have to tell you every time I'm on i'm on an airplane and the flight attendant says please put the mask on yourself before you put it on your kid it just seems wrong do you mean if God forbid I was on an airplane and the oxygen was missing, I would race to give it to my son or to one of my sons. And it doesn't help because you give it to your son and then you might not be able to put it on yourself because you'll be dizzy or you'll be unconscious. And so the idea that we have to take care of ourselves is not in our DNA, but first ourselves so we have the strength to take care of our kids and, you know. And more than one kid sometimes.
1: Well, this just goes to the whole theme of your book, which is so brilliant. And I can't believe it hasn't been thought of before as like the perfect analogy, this whole notion of scaffolding and that really it's your child that's being built and the blueprint and the foundation and everything. And you are just like around the outside. You're just trying to help as it grows. And then once it's fully formed, you can start taking down the scaffolding, which I would like to have taken down. And if
0: your child's been paying attention, they'll know when to put the scaffolding back. You know, yes, they go off to college they and they're yeah. struggling with essay writing, they'll go to, you know, the center for writing the writing center to get some extra help. That's a scaffold. You know, if they they need a tutor in math, they will get one. Do you mean because it's not that you're hovering all the time. You've built a confident, strong building. I, I think the one part that we have to always remember though is that as you're building that scaffold, you know, and you use pillars, you know structure and support and encouragement and then you have planks but the important part is to recognize that the building sometimes it has decided to become a ranch not a skyscraper do you know what I mean and we can't force that because otherwise you're you're all going to be very disappointed and it's not going to be a sturdy you know structure i i always think about the fact that my oldest son was great at science i wanted him to be a doctor now i never said it out loud but You know, it just made sense. You're good at science. You're good at math. You know, I love being a doctor. You know, why wouldn't I want my kid to be a doctor? And at a certain point, it became very clear. He actually said it to me in high school. He said, I hate blood, Dad. (laughs) I'll have to become a psychiatrist if I become a doctor. I don't really like kids, he said, so I'll always be the wrong Dr. Gottfluid. And he then, at a certain point, decided that he loved being a DJ, I mean, so totally out of character, but he's a very re- socially reticent guy. But okay, that we were building a split level. That's what we were getting. And so he was a white Jewish DJ, Mark Ronson, DJ Cassidy, and DJ Josh K. And really into it, and it looked terrific. And, and he was going to go finish, he was at Brown, which is the perfect match. And he was going to go off to LA afterwards. And the summer between his junior and his senior year, he went and worked at Goldman Sachs which didn't make any sense to me whatsoever. And it was kind of a cultural mismatch. He was still DJing. He was producing a, movie, a documentary called Pigeon Men about Irish convicts who competitively fly pigeons. I mean, the whole thing <laughs> didn't make sense that he was going to government. And at six weeks, they gave him a review and they said to him, by the way, you're a bad communicator, you're not enthusiastic, and you're intellectually not curious. And to his credit, he stood up and he said, you know, I could be a better communicator. I'm natu- I'm biochemically not enthusiastic. I don't smile enough, but I'm always intellectually curious. And he ripped apart the five deals. And they said, well, we're surprised. And for the next four weeks, he was a maniac. He would go to work in a taxi, screaming at himself in the back of the cab, smile, smile. I mean, why? It didn't make any sense to me. And of course, at the end of the summer, he calls us and he says, I have good news and bad news. I said, what's the bad news? I have to tell you the good news. The good news is I got a job offer from Goldman Sachs and if, you, if I sign right away, I get $10,000. What's the bad news? I got a job offer at Goldman Sachs. So I said, this seems like a cultural mismatch. And I can't get over the fact that he decided, no, private equity is what he wants to do. He's running a private equity firm today. And it's an example, Zibby, of recognizing I'm not getting a skyscraper. I've gotten used to getting the split level. And then he says, guess what? I'm building a ranch. And if you want to be a good parent, if you want your kid to feel confident, you still support, you still structure, and you still give encouragement. You know, it's, I, I find it fascinating because he speaks a different language. He spoke a different language when he was a DJ. And now he talks this money, you know, this finance talk, where I'm nodding my head pretending I know what he's talking about. But that's what a good scaffold does. It moves around. It doesn't say it's set in cement. You have to do this. So it happens to all of us, by the way. But I think if you remember the plan, you know, remember the pillars, structure, support, encouragement, and then there are planks that really are very important. And the one plank that I have so much trouble with is dispassion. There's part of me that feels like, what the hell are you doing? (laughs) Do you know, snap out of it? And that just doesn't work. Do you mean whether you, too much crying, too much yelling, too much laughter, there has, it has to be their building, not your building.
1: I feel like you were hard on yourself when you told the whole story of your son going to camp and your own, how you brought your own emotions about your separation and your unfortunate time at camp. And you actually, you I found you beating yourself up and I was like, I don't think you did anything wrong here personally by telling your kid how sad you were about it. But anyway,
0: even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today.
1: This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests. Even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life, there are some things you just haven't processed, be it grief or trauma, eating disorders, anything. It might be time to work on those things. And I have a solution for you. Therapy. Online therapy by BetterHelp. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I took the brief questionnaire online where there were, I don't know, 20 questions. It didn't take long at all, maybe three minutes. And then I got matched with a therapist who could help me work on whatever. I picked trauma because even though it happened in 2001, I am somehow still not over the loss of my friend on 9-11. And... That's betterhelp.com slash moms don't have time.
0: So the, the only problem was that he got to, you know, I was so keen on my, my wife, their mother loved camp from the time she was seven to the time I was 14. She couldn't wait. Okay. And she actually swam in college and played tennis in college. She was a natural athlete. I wasn't, but I was also separation anxious. That's what it was. I missed my mom and dad so desperately that, you know, it was like, it was hard to sleep. It was hard to concentrate. So my kids were really good athletes because of me, because of the genes, you know, they inherited from their mother. So when they went to camp and I came up there and that Joshua was really struggling. Do you mean he said, I want to go home. And when we walked into the woods, he said to me, dad, there's no one here to love me. And I felt like, oh my God, he knows how to throw a ball. He knows how to serve a tennis, you know, in tennis, but he's got the separation anxiety. I literally got weepy and he then was comforting me. The fact that he then started comforting me was the part that is not dispassion. Do you mean, it's all right to show your kid that you're upset, that you empathize, you have warmth, but it's not his job to say, dad, don't cry. It's my job to say, okay, you know, how how are we going to work this through? How are we going to figure out your life at camp so it's easier, that it's more fun? And there are times where you say, okay, this, you know, we declare victory. You're coming home. Do you mean it's... But, but, you know, parenting, in my opinion, is the best thing you could ever do. I remember distinctly holding my first kid in the delivery room and thinking, this is amazing. All that oxytocin is in the air. Everyone's so euphoric. The baby actually looks like my father-in-law and my mother. I mean, it's this weird sensation. And then you realize that there's no book, there's no test, there's no license And yet it can be the most rewarding experience and it truly changes you. Yes, getting married changes you, but all of a sudden being, it's this one-way street where you realize you are the scaffold, they're not scaffolding you. You really have a terrific job in letting them be who they're supposed to be and just help them guide the building along.
1: And you also bring up this really important point, which I think has not been articulated quite as well before about parent burnout and how to tell if you're, I mean, you have all these great ways for parents to identify what's going on with their kids, right? You have how you know if it's a normal level of anxiety versus a problematic level of anxiety versus an anxiety disorder, but then you let us do it as parents do and how to know if you're actually going through burnout, which Gosh, and like with the pandemic, I mean, you have normal problem disorder. Like several times a day you think, "I'm a bad parent." That means you have parental burnout disorder. Oh my gosh, I must have it. You well, <laughs> you are exhausted. Well, I don't feel any resentment. When you look at your child, you don't feel the same connection you once did. You feel extreme irritation and frustration as a parent without reason. You react with verbal or physical abuse. Well, no, of course not. To your child. I don't know. Let's talk about parental burnout for a minute, because with everybody at home with their kids for 11 months so now, I,
0: right? So, Zibi, so yeah, I didn't write the book thinking about COVID, right? I, you, you better than everyone knows know, than anyone know how long how long it takes to come up with an idea for a book, write the book, or write the outline, get a publisher, write the book, and then it takes almost nine months for the publisher to publish the book. So, this wasn't what I was thinking about, and now since we're in the middle of COVID. More so than ever, I think everyone has to scaffold their kids and they have to scaffold themselves. So there's this, I think that most of us wake up and it's Groundhog's Day, and, you know, again, <laughs> again with the mask and the news is so disconcerting because we're going in the wrong direction. We're going in the right direction. We're running out of vaccine. So it's really important to stay in the moment. If there was ever a time to prevent, to help you prevent burnout is to just worry about the moment, you know what I mean? How, you know, breathe one breath in, one breath out. I I think of the fact that I love to hike and I was hiking in Chile and lots of young people around me, 10, 20 years younger. And someone said to me, oh my God, it's so much fun hiking with you because you walk so determined, you're so determined and so gradual. And I'm thinking, I'm trying to get one breath in and one breath out, (laughs) I'm walking slow because I'm barely breathing, but, that's how we have to deal sometimes that, okay, I'm in the moment, I'm going to appreciate the flowers and the sounds of the, of the birds, and I'm going to get one breath in and one breath out. I will get through this and I will take breaks. I will step back and say, I need a second wind. And I think that right now to prevent parent burnout goes back to great childcare is self-care. And I think there's so many easy ways to restart yourself. So can we get back into good sleep hygiene? Can we try to get close to eight hours? Can we force ourselves to turn off everything at 12 o'clock and stay you know, asleep till eight o'clock? Okay, seven o'clock. Or can we go to bed at 11? Can we, can we get on a routine? Because routines work for kids, but they also work for us. And even if we just do a minute of mindfulness every day, you know, just sit with our thoughts for 60 seconds. And no matter how disturbing the thoughts are, just let them, don't judge them. That in itself will help. But I think we also have to be kind to ourselves. This is, you know, my internist just said to me, be careful after COVID, there'll be three types of people, hunks, chunks, and drunks. And I thought, you know oh, what? That is so funny. I've never had so much liquor brought to the house. You know? The,
1: <laughs> Wait, say it again. Hunks?
0: Hunks, chunks, and drunks. And I'm, and if I'm not careful, I'm going to be a drunken chunk. So, <laughs> you know, but, but you can't tomorrow lose 10 pounds, right? You can you can take a walk every day, you know, no matter what. And if you can't take a walk, you can get on the elliptical. And if you can't get on elliptical, you can at least do some stretching, um, simple, you know, bite-sized pieces. And just think about it. You're not only doing it for yourself, you're doing it so that you can be a better parent. So if you don't want to just do it because you deserve it, you're doing it because without your, without having strength, without having sleep, without eating well, without also having some fun. I mean, this is the hard part of COVID. It's, it's really hard to have fun, you know, uh, especially for extroverts, people like me. This is, you know, I, I, it's, it's one thing talking to people on a screen, but it's so nice to have human contact and it's freezing cold here in the Northeast. So, you know, you're not gonna be able to have a meal with someone, you're gonna have to have a brisk walk. Do you mean you're, there's ways around this if you know what you need. And if you take care of your own needs, Then I really think again, you'll have the energy to be offer structure, support, and encouragement for your kids because this is hard. This is I don't want to minimize how challenging it is to be a very good parent.
1: Can we talk for just two seconds about anxiety in the time of COVID? And I know this isn't even in your book, and I hope that I've made a good case for everybody to read the scaffold effect and the subtitle is "Raising Resilient, Self Reliant, and Secure Kids in an Age of Anxiety." So I just want to talk a little more about anxiety because. Typically, anxiety and an anxiety disorder, in particular, is when you have irrational levels of fear about something. Well, that's part of it, right? But there is actually something to be super afraid of. So when, like, my daughter says she's really worried and talks about it a lot, I'm like, well, I'm also really worried about it. But who knows? Because I also have so much anxiety, I don't even know what to say. But there is actually like a big deal. It's not like we're on a plane worried if it's going to crash and the odds are not really high and it's irrational. There it is actually possible and it's happening to everybody. And especially like in families like ours where we've lost people in the family, like Kyle's mom and grandmother, like we've seen it cl- up close. So how do you, deal with like a combination basically of like anxiety or PTSD when things in the world are literally anxiety provoking. Does that still mean you have anxiety? Is it, is it abnormal? No. So I,
0: I think, I think it's normal, but how do you manage anxiety? Again, think about it from a the, sca- you know, the scaffolding works, even if you have an anxiety disorder, right? But more so than ever, I think we need to scaffold ourselves and scaffold others. So what do we say? We're wearing a mask. We wash our hands frequently. We do social distancing. We are doing everything possible to avoid getting this virus, but it's a very catchy virus. And if that happens, we are going to, things are better today than they were last March. The doctors are better at treating it. So even if we get it, we will be able to get a different type of treatment than we had before, but we're not going to get it. We're going to try every possible way, but still live our lives in a new way, right? So we're clearly not going to go to a big party. We're clearly going to only go to people that we know are following the same rules and regulations, but it's normal to be scared. You know, I'm uncomfortable also, but I'm getting used to this new normal. It reminds me after 9-11, I was doing the Today Show a lot and Katie Couric was the host and we actually were friends. We were neighbors. And I was doing a piece with her and I said, you know, the president's in charge. Nothing bad is going to happen. Everyone, you know, we learn from our mistakes. And Katie actually said on the air, well, how do you know? I said, because we learn from our mistakes. (laughs) I thought, is she going to say Chicken Little? The sky is falling. And once we were off the air, Katie said to me, you know what, I feel like her husband had passed away just a year before. She said, I feel like Jay just died again. The kids are back in my bed. We're so regressed. I'm on TV four hours a day instead of two hours. And so it can overwhelm you. Do you mean? And it can distort your cognitions because you get so anxious You think to yourself, well, I'm going to wash my hands one more time. And you have to balance it with saying, I'm going to do everything that I'm supposed to do to keep my kids safe and keep my husband safe and keep me safe and if possible, my parents but I'm going to live a different kind of life. I'm not not going to indoor restaurants, or if I do go into an indoor restaurant, I know there's a certain amount of risk and I'm willing to take it. And I think that's what we have to do with our kids. I think schools are struggling with this. They're in session, they're out of session, they're online. I, I, I think I told you that my wife teaches middle school students art. It is so challenging on a screen. I hear her. It sounds like a reality television show. The kid, Jason, has fallen off the screen. Jason, where are you? And and then she's doing stretching. Why is there stretching? Everyone stand up and stretch. So she said that, you know, to take, and she's not accepting, which I keep saying, everyone has to readjust their expectations for this year. And it's like talking to a wall. No, she is going to still teach the kids perspective and they're going to make Greek masks. I, and how are you getting the material to all the kids? And she's writing progress reports. And I'm thinking, you know, she said, "I'm." she actually will tell you, I'm doing it because I think it's good for the kids to know that there's still a routine. We're still, we haven't given up yet. But I think that's, there is limitations. And I think that's all right because that'll make you less anxious. If you think to yourself, this is not a year where I'm expecting everyone to get A's. I mean, some of us are driven to always do our best. Do you know I mean that's part of the anxiety. This is one of those years where best is actually going to be different. And 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 Zippy, being a podcaster, this is a year for podcasts. This is a year for reading books. This is not the year to go to the theater or go to movie theaters or go to the ballet. It's it's a, It's a different year. And I think managing that for our kids and modeling that for our kids is really very, very important. And very hard because you don't want to tell them, don't worry. (laughs) You have to say to them, what are you worried about? The other thing that I have to tell you that in the scaffold effect, I would hope people will take away is there's one piece where we're talking about awareness. And it's very interesting to tell kids and tell ourselves what is wrong. I think we're hardwired to fix things, you know, particularly parents. And if you could remember, can I catch my kid doing something good? Can I... Can I say three specific positive things to my child for every one critical thing?" By the way, as a husband of 40 years, it's not a bad thing to consider with your spouse, right? And I forget it all the time. Do you mean it's kind of like, where's the coffee? You know, where's this? Did any, you know, how come we can't, you know, is no one going to iron my shirts? No, no one's going to iron your shirts. It's this kind of rapid complaining, 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 which after a while, it's very hard to hear the good stuff when you say, God, you smell great or "You, you look so beautiful. And I think that if we consciously are aware, that we have that negative tracking. It's part of the things that we do all the time. We are looking to fix things. So we're always watching what the kid's doing wrong. And then the second thing we do is confirmation bias. It's, you know, we're watching only Fox. We're only watching MSNBC. But more importantly, we see certain children as bad and certain children as good. And then they can't get out of the box. And we have to pull back. That's, that's the whole concept of making a new blueprint. And I think that's so important, Zibi, because... Otherwise, COVID is just gonna make parenting extra hard. Scaffolding is gonna make it somewhat easier. It gives you that structure, no pun intended, to try to make things easier for you on a day-to-day basis. And also to keep, you know, to do-over. I love the idea that parents are allowed to say, you know, I think that was a mistake, I'm taking a do-over. So, you know, it's, it's, not, written in, you know, it's not written in ink, it's written in pencil, we'll erase and we'll do it again, so.
1: I love it. Well, that's one of the things that was so effective about this book is that instead of just giving theories or general ideas, you give such specific advice that is really actionable. And I think that's something that we're all, I speak on behalf of parents everywhere, very grateful to receive in well, such a non judgmental way. So it's awesome. So thank you. Thank you for coming on this podcast. Thank you for this amazing resource, The Scaffold Effect for parents everywhere. It is like a must have on your bedside table. Really awesome, particularly now. So congratulations on the book.
0: Thank you, and Thank you so much for having a conversation with me. It's always a pleasure. Now
1: you see why I am often too busy for board meetings. (laughs) (laughs) Because I do this all day long. No, I'm kidding. I'll be there next time. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay, bye. Thank you. Today's episode has been sponsored by This Is Everything, the podcast by Ali Levine.